Well, that's good news, isn't it? We're in the season of good news, aren't we? That's what Christmas is all about. It's all about good news, isn't it? It's about the good news that we want to share, good news that's going to go around. That's what it's all about. It's about good news. Good news of a baby born. That's always a result, isn't it? Good, good, new, good news of an engagement happened. These two guys on the front row here just got engaged. That's really exciting, isn't it? Good news of an operation gone well. The guys at the back on the sofa, you know, God, God is full of good news. Yeah, absolutely. God is full of good news. And, and this time of year is all about good news. Of course, um, uh, actually, we're, we're, we had some terrific news yesterday, didn't we, with the cricket. So the, the, there's good news as well. We're actually doing something as a United Kingdom for change, Team GB, doing something with the cricket in India. I just want to pray for the next test. Now, I'm not sure we can pray for it, but we want to hope for the next test, don't we? It's good news. And of course, it's a time of giving and receiving. Um, and it's that time of year when we all start getting ready for Christmas. Have you all done all your shopping yet? Is everything in place and ordered and sorted out and... Yeah, no, there's a lot of no's going on. Yeah, I know. Lynn, Lynn said to me uh, on Friday night, she said, uh, we've we got to go shopping. So I'd, I'd arranged to go cycling on Saturday, and I got a, an email through on late Friday night, some of you are on that email chain, suggesting we weren't just cycling in Richmond Park, we were going to cycle to Box Hill and back. I was thinking, well, that's marvellous because that means less time shopping. That's what I was thinking. Lynn's was saying to me, do you really have to go? I said, I have to go, darling. I just have to go. So I went shopping. I went, no, I didn't go shopping. I went cycling. And um, uh, we, we, we made this cycle ride last as long as we possibly could. And uh, then we came back, and there was, there's always other stuff to do. Had a bit of lunch. Had to have a rest. Got to rest, don't you? Can't go shopping yet. I need to rest. I've just cycled 80 kilometers, I need to rest, I've got to rest. And, and then had a bit of lunch and then thought, you know, the, gro the, the leaves need picking up off the lawn in the back garden. I mean, can you think of anything more random to do, really? So I think that's what we need to do next. So I went out, set the lawnmower, set the whole uh, thing up a bit higher, and I go up and down our lawn. Takes an hour and a half to do that. My legs were so tired yesterday, it took me over two hours. I just couldn't... <laughs> can get the engine going. So it's about half past four, and Lindsay's tapping on the window. No, no. we've got to go shopping. I think, half past four, she says, don't worry, the shops don't shut till eight. I said, oh, rats. I, and we were doing so well there. But it's great, isn't it? Getting stuff ready for others, the giving and the receiving, and it's all about good news. That's what we're about. And the message of Christ is all about good news. And we're going to be telling that message in different ways over the coming uh, weeks, uh, days even. And we're in the middle of a series in Mark's gospel. We're doing a, a canter through the gospel in a season from start to finish. We're up to chapter six. If you're here for the first time this morning, this is where we are just in a few minutes. Um, Mark, you'll remember, is the scribe for Peter the apostle. So Peter, the fisherman, tells the stories of Christ. This is what it was like living with Christ. This is what it was like seeing him do this stuff, first-hand account. And Mark writes all of this down. 
And, and when the church begins to get persecuted, they do multiple copies of this gospel. It's the first one written, and the gospel is sent out with those who are persecuted across the land to uh, encourage people in their walk with God. And it was the, the persecution led to this explosion uh, in uh, faith as the uh, message of Christ went out across um, uh, the, the world. I was with um, uh, somebody the other day who uh, was telling me about the church in China and uh, what's going on there and the explosion of growth there with the church there that's lived under this incredible persecution and, and all of a sudden has just expanded in the millions, in millions upon millions of converts. It's quite extraordinary. And um, uh, we're just seeing if we might uh, go out with him and, and uh, uh, be part of that and see what is going on. But that, that's what's going on here. And, and Jesus in Mark's gospel, he's introduced really quickly. Everything's in a hurry. With Peter, everything was in a hurry. You'll, if you read Mark's gospel, you'll get immediately all the time. He says, and immediately this happened, and immediately that happened. There's no sort of, here's his childhood. There's no sort of, here's a general introduction. There's no, it's just everything's done uh, in a rush. And so he's introduced. He calls his disciples. He announces who he is. Chapter 2, we get um, the... Um, uh, man lowered down through the roof. Do you remember that? We looked at that a few weeks ago. And uh, he's lowered through the roof and Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. And perhaps the man's thinking, well, I, I, I need my legs fixed. I, I'm not sure about my sins, I need my legs fixed. And Jesus says, actually, your deeper need, he doesn't say it, but your deeper need is that your sins are forgiven. The deeper need is that you receive the good news. And he says, that you may know that I have authority on earth to forgive sins. Get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks. And, and he continues. He heals people. He teaches people the new way. He talks about this message of good news that he's got. He says, it's, it's like a farmer who, who goes out with some seed, he said, and he sows the seed and, and some falls on the, the path and the birds come along and, and take it away quickly and some falls on rocky soil and it starts to grow but it's got nowhere to send its roots and it's, it dies very quickly and some falls amongst the thorns and, and it grows up but it's choked by the cares and worries and other things of this world. He says, but some falls on good soil. And when it falls on good soil, it digs deep its roots and it grows strong its plant and and its fruit is multiplied many times over you have a fruitful life and and he's speaking this message of good news saying this is what I want for you that we'd live that same uh, fruitful life and then he talks about a light if you've received the light he says don't hide it stick it on a lampstand for everybody to see and then last week we were thinking about those two incredible uh, stories. One of the rich temple ruler, Jairus, whose daughter was sick. Every, got everything in life and he's got a sick daughter. And, and this rejected and abandoned uh, woman who's got this issue of blood. And Jesus coming for both. He comes to heal the, the rejected and the forgotten and the lost. And he comes to heal also those who have everything. He says it's actually, going back to chapter 2, the man who lowered through the roof, it's the good news of the kingdom is for all people. The good news of the kingdom. Back in chapter 3 of Mark's gospel, 
his mother, Jesus' mother and, and brothers have come to try and speak to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't interact with them. And uh, he looks to those who are around him and he says, who are my mother and brothers? He says, you, you who've come and continue to do the will of our heavenly father, you who choose to accept the message of the good news. But we get here to chapter six and he goes home. And um, he goes to visit uh, his uh, family. Uh, we don't know why uh, suddenly here he does. Maybe it's to reassure his mum. He hasn't, this is really important stuff. And, and I've, I've, I've not gone crazy. I am the son of God. And, and that that you hear is true. That that you hear about me is true. The rumors are true. We're about two, two and a bit years into his ministry. And he's, he's healed sick people. He's raised dead. He's, he's done uh, multiplied food. He's, he's, he's done the most miraculous stuff. He's calmed a storm. That that you hear about me uh, is true. And it says when he gets home, it says the next, Jesus left that part of the country and returned to his disciples, with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed why were they amazed well they were amazed because this is listen this is just the carpenter's son this is the guy who's built furniture this is one who's fitted our windows this is one who made our dining room table this is one who built a chair I'm sitting on this is one who put our garden gate up this is the guy who we know with calloused hands who was always really kind and honest and a great guy but but how come now he's in the synagogue teaching in the way that he is? All who heard him were amazed and they asked, well, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and his sisters live right here amongst us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. What a sad thing. They were deeply offended. We know him. We know him as the carpenter. We, we know him as our friend. We, we grew up playing cricket with him. We grew up playing ball in the road with him. We grew up doing those things that we do together. How come all of a sudden he can do these things? And, 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 and maybe their thoughts is, how come I can't do it? How come it wasn't me? You know, jealousy comes in so very quickly in so many people's uh, lives. And I imagine for them, like it is for us, it's fairly perplexing. For us, it's fairly perplexing, isn't it? How come the supernatural happens at times? How come it is when we pray, things get changed? Do you know, we started praying as a staff uh, three weeks ago, it would have been. Probably three weeks ago, maybe four. I think it was probably about three weeks ago. Just realized that we'd... We weren't doing as much in schools as we used to, and we wanted to up our influence into the schools. So we started praying and doing, uh, finding ways in which we could get into schools. So we're praying. In the last three weeks, three schools have phoned or emailed us and said, please, would you come in? Now, you can't say that's a coincidence. When you start praying, things happen. 
When you start praying, God hears those prayers. So we've got three schools saying, please come in. One school, in fact, I don't think we've been to any, either, any of those before. But one particular school, they phoned and they said, they emailed me on Friday and they said, um, uh, we'd like you to come in. Please would you come with somebody else and would you uh, come in and do two things so that all 700 of our children can hear the story of Christmas and tell them what Christmas really means. I'd like, okay. And they reply and say, that is so kind of you. Oh, it really is. It's like, I really wouldn't want to do that, you know. But well, that's what we want to do. So we pray and we get in there. Because God answers prayers. There's no natural explanation to that. There's a supernatural explanation that the kingdom of God is at work. And that when we say, Lord, use us, he says, okay, you, would you go there? And would you go there? I'm going to give you another opportunity there. Would you go in? And do these things. So Jesus is here and he starts teaching. And uh, they ask, uh, what, uh, who, who, who is this? Where does he get all this wisdom? Rather than asking the question that they'd, he'd have really liked them to ask, what does this mean? What, what does this mean that this person who we know is teaching this stuff, what does this mean that he's sharing? What, how does this apply to our lives? Does this affect our lives in any way? He's been into synagogues, we know, recorded in Mark's Gospel on three previous occasions. On the first occasion in chapter 1, they say, well, what is this message that you're bringing? In, in chapter 2 and 4, they say, well, who are you to bring a message like this? And here in chapter 6, they say, well, where's this coming from? Rather than saying, what does this mean for us, this good news? My prayer, my prayer, and I hope your prayer is that those who come over the next few weeks, those who come over the Christmas period, the, the friends that we bring, they'll go, well, what does that mean for me? How might that change my life, that good news? But I think Mark, Mark shows us something very important here. He shows us and he highlights Jesus' rejection in his hometown. You know, we need one another. He says a prophet is without honor in his hometown and home. There's, it's very difficult. Have you ever tried to talk to one of your family about Christ? And they like go, well, who are you to tell me? What right do you have? Just like they were saying to Jesus. Well, I know you. I know you and I know you really well. What right do you have? That's why we need one another. That's why we say bring people. Because actually to try and do it ourselves is quite difficult. We can build on it. But sometimes to get that conversation going, you need somebody else to present something that will say, have you thought about would you consider how this might affect your life, what this means for you? And they're rejecting him. They're rejecting him here uh, because they thought they knew him. So many people reject Christ today because they think they know him. Well, well I think I know about God because we live in a Christian country. I think I know about God because... I went to, went to church when I was a child. I think I know about God because I know some of the stories, but I have no idea of the richness and the, 
that the fulfillment that there is of following this God for ourselves, discovering Jesus as our personal Savior, of the change that that brings in our lives, of the different perspective that that gives on the world, in the different attitudes and aims that we'll have if we'll know him for ourselves. And so here he's rejected. He's rejected because they say, well, they know him. And what he, he, he leaves because he's amazed, it says, at their lack of faith. And last week we were reminding ourselves it just takes a mustard seed. Christ, he doesn't ask for much. He just says, put your hand up and say, count me in in some way. I'm prepared to grow in this understanding, prepared to journey in this thing called Christianity. I'm prepared to explore it properly for myself. That's what we ask for. Chris talks uh, often about the Alpha course, doesn't he? Just, just for someone to say, I'm prepared to have a fresh look, prepared to explore again, prepared to, to see a different perspective. That I don't know. I don't know it all yet. I just, maybe I could be taught something new. Maybe I could be shown something new. And Jesus then goes on from village to village teaching people, it says. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he says, stay, stay in the same house until you leave the town. If any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you've abandoned those people to their own fate. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with oil. The good news that they went with was the good news of repentance. It's the good news that every prophet in the Old Testament has talked about. Those of you who are doing the Bible in the year with us, you'll have read the whole of Joel this morning. Felt like a long reading, didn't it, this morning when we were doing that? And we got to Revelation chapter 1, so that was quite exciting, the last book of the New Testament. But we read the whole of Joel, but actually as you read Hosea last, last few days, as, as you've read through the prophets of the Old Testament, their story is the same. The good news of God is come back to him it's repentance to come back means to stop walking away to turn and come back that's repentance I'll come back to God I'll, I'll, I'll return to him my Lord and Savior repentance is such great news and as they go with this message of repentance they go they go with nothing Jesus says, look, don't take extra stuff with you. In other words, it's not about, you know, traveling first class or going with an invading army or whatever it might be. It's simply about going as you are humbly. I think, I think Jesus himself was born, was born into nothing, in, in, in an animal's trough in a stable. A refugee having to escape the land. He lived a life as an itinerant speaker in a sense, rejected by his own people. And he died, he died a criminal's death, people having abandoned him on a lonely hill and even was buried in a borrowed grave. He came with nothing, 
but he offered everything. He offered everything, and that one message has changed the shape of this whole world. That one message, the message of good news that comes to those who repent, who return, who discover who Christ is for them. And notice at this point in the gospel, he says, it's not just about me doing it. And he says to the disciples, I want to empower you. You go and do it now. And he empowers those 12. And then later on, he empowers another 72. And then in Matthew 28, he says, now you're all empowered. And the Spirit's going to come upon you, and you'll be empowered to go and be my messengers, to take this message out, to do the things that, that, that I've been doing. In fact, to do even more, maybe to win the whole world if we live this message out. And we're to go like Christ came and went. We're to go humbly looking not for things for ourselves, not thinking that we deserve lots, but sharing the good news of Christ that we have with others. Paul says it in uh, Corinthians. He says, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. When we realize we can't do it, God shows up. When we pray for access into schools, God shows up. When you pray for a life to be changed, God will show up. That's why in every Christian's life, prayer is often one of the most difficult things. A regular life of prayer, because it is one of the most powerful things. As we pray, the kingdom of God comes. As we pray, the kingdom of God comes. And we know that, that, that the message of Christ will divide. Some people will say yes. Others will say they don't really get it and, 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 and they don't want us around. But, but others will say, I want to embrace this. It's for me. It's for me, this purpose, this ultimate picture of the kingdom of God, the thing that comes to change our lives. That's what we're what the bishop is commissioning Barry to do on uh, Tuesday evening with the team. It's going to be really exciting. I can't encourage you enough to come. Prophetically, to see that church full will demonstrate to those who are already there what might be. It's really important we go. It'll do something in the hearts of people that we can do this. It'll do something in the heart of Barry and Jill and the team who are there. This is important, that we can actually fill this church. There'll be other leaders from Harrow, because we've been negotiating with them all over the last uh, six or eight months. So we've had lunch with them and drank excessive amounts of coffee with them and done different things. And, and they're all saying this is one of the most exciting things that's happening in Harrow at the moment, that St. Paul's Ealing are coming over and helping us to reach this community. It's really exciting. So there are going to be lots of people from other churches there. But as we, as we go over and, and sing our hearts out and, and, and respond as uh, the bishop asked Barry some you know, official questions and things, and as we send him out and do something uh, with the team that have gone with him, that's what we're doing. We're going with a message of good news. That's what um, uh, an opportunity next week 
just invite someone to come to St. Paul's for the carols by candlelight. F five o'clock and 7.30, two services. So simple. It's, no, it's really not difficult to invite someone to a carol service. Lots of people love a traditional carol service. I think we do a great traditional carol service. You know, we have a fantastic choir. Um, uh, we get, we've got a professional organist coming in. John Murphy was terribly excited about her CV. I read it and didn't understand it. But we've got, you know, all of that stuff. It's just amazing. It's amazing. And, and somewhere in there, we're going to have 15 minutes where we just tell people the good news in, in a way to stir their minds to think, well, well, how might this affect me? What difference might this make in my life? How might I be different because of this good news? And it's not just for them, but it's for us as well. And I'd like to pray for us all this morning that we would receive afresh again the good news of Christ. Let's stand, shall we?